Thanks for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organisations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges, joined by relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. And this week I'm really pleased to have the opportunity to talk with a lady that I've known about on social media but have only just met today, and that's June Hogan. She's June Hogan, she's um, the Director of Wildwood Coaching, and we're going to talk about the topic of outplacement and how to manage that and, and, and redundancy, which is where it often sits. And I'm interested in this topic because it is something that I see happen and I can see that you can do it well and you can do it really, really badly. Um, so really intrigued to understand almost a bit of a masterclass we're going to look at here, aren't we, in terms of this topic. <laughs> Great, so welcome yeah, to, thanks, you want to, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So, um, yes, I'm June Hogan. Um, I became the director of Wildwood Coaching, I think it's almost four years ago now. And that was as as a result of stepping off the career ladder back in 2015, uh, when I went to live overseas for three years and I couldn't work whilst I was there. So I decided to train as a coach. And I came back, I had nothing to lose, I, had, I didn't have a job, so I thought give self-employment a go. And I decided to bring together my 20 years experience in HR, having managed redundancy programs, my own personal experience of having uh, two redundancies, been made redundant uh, a couple of times, and also the fact that I'd recently qualified as a coach and bring all of that together and decided to specialise in outplacement support. So, uh, so here I am. And I can see it as really important sort of specialism to have to be able to bring those expert that, that expertise into organisations because, as I said earlier, it can be done really well or it can be done really badly. Do, I mean, I take it you do it independently. I'm just thinking when I worked for big organisations myself in the past, they might have gone to specialist companies to do that. Would you support those, or you're a nice alternative? Do you target certain size businesses? Um, I mean, I've worked with with all size businesses from sort of micro businesses up to large. Um, corporates and I think it just depends on the need and some people yeah will will have relationships with some of the big companies um, and others want more of a kind of tailored and sort of individual approach and someone who's a bit maybe a bit more nimble and a bit more responsive and and one of the things that I love and and I have a team of associates who work with me is that we're all about the individual and who is this individual in this situation because people come to us in similar situations they have, you know, they have they've lost their job and it would be really easy to kind of put them through some kind of process or you know take them through the sort of sausage machine as it were but it's really important to say okay but who are you in this situation that is similar um, and I think that's something that that we do really well um, and, and some organizations want say want that more um, sort of personal approach maybe. Now, I mean I can personally see I'm not going to name I'm, I'm thinking one of the companies that um 
that we used to work with or the business used to work with and I, and I used to think that it was very generic I thought your term sausage machine was was quite accurate there and so it was almost something that the business was paying for to tick a box but perhaps wasn't done to the same you know personal level which is what people really need if they're feeling vulnerable or you know it's such a time of change really if people yeah. are, are being made redundant I mean I've dived right in there do you want to explain give us the basics how would you define you know what our, our placement is when it's when people might want to do it and, and engage people mm-hmm. like yourselves yeah so out, outplacement support it isn't something that legally anyone has a, any obligation to do so with the, with the redundancy exercise you just need to, to satisfy that you have you know you, you've complied with the law as it were but outplacement support is often used by those employers who are values values led and want to demonstrate that from you know the beginning to the end of the employment relationship so outplacement support is an opportunity for individuals to have access to specialists to those professionals who will help them understand what where their skills and strengths lie um, what they want to do with that in the future so some people want want, want to change other people want to continue with with what they're doing um, to make sure that they've got the tools and techniques to go out into the the marketplace and to go out into the the world of work some of whom will never have had to do that in in their in their career and and really importantly to to build confidence because the redundancy i've seen it from both sides of the table confidence is one of the things that often gets um, knocked and albeit it's not an individual that's made redundant it's their role it always is their Mm. role but because we have such a close relationship with our jobs um it it often always does feel personal so we're that opportunity to engage the specialists and and in my hr career when outplacement support wasn't available i would be the person having the consultation meetings and then being asked to look at cvs or help with interview prep and that kind of thing and it's often very conflicting when you're in that situation Yes. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm a specialist. <laughs> yeah, you're doing yeah. both sides. Yeah. Um, and so not only does it free up support for the HR team to focus on, you know, one, one side of the process, it also allows individuals to have that connection with someone who's completely independent, who has no agenda, who, you know, there's there's no judgment. All there is is this need to to, to support and to, and to help them move forward and, and sort of look at those next steps. I can see how coaching is very useful in, in that, that um, position as well. I mean, I was, uh, we asked stuff, Cameron, I, was, I said, oh, it's an interesting one, the outplacement and redundancy, where at the moment everybody's talking about this challenge about talent retention and recruiting people who's actually getting rid of them. But then we went on to the fact that actually it, it, value being a values-led organisation is the sort of thing that might attract talent. Being an organisation that treats people well at all aspects of the life cycle um, and invests in people when they don't have to by making sure they go on to the next role that's the company that you therefore go do you know what I recommend them someone comes to you it's a kind of it's actually quite an important and maybe not an previously unconsidered element of having a good employer brand I reckon yeah isn't it at the moment I mean I imagine though also it doesn't mean that people aren't making people redundant does it just because we're trying to find the right people there's still people right-sizing I mean are you noticing any difference in terms of the you know, the, the demand for it at the moment? Um, not especially. I think sort of my experience, I still think of myself as relatively young as a, as a self-employed uh, sort of person, as it were, is that there are peaks and troughs and it's the, you know, kind of the famine and the feast piece, which I think a lot of, many of us who are self-employed might experience. I've not noticed anything 
particularly different um, in terms of the, the profile necessarily of clients. So I have a couple of new clients this week, for example. Um, you know, I've, I had a, some that came to me uh, who were just sort of contemplating redundancies and wanted some information. So there's a steady sort of stream as far as I, I'm, I'm seeing. Um, and I think, you know, some of the numbers might be smaller so that there isn't sort of the large scale um, size certainly from my perspective but there is always that that need where people are maybe tweaking at the edges of, of organizations and as you say looking looking to right size and, and looking to sort of restructure in different ways which might also be um, alongside a recruitment campaign because it might be that you're just looking for skills in different places yeah and that might be really hard to manage because I was thinking um if it's a small scale redundancy, then people might feel it feels even more personal. And if you're recruiting at the same time, it's like, what did I do wrong? Or what wasn't about me? I was like, what do you notice about how people are impacted by redundancy? What's your sort of insight into how we can support people or what what um, organisations might need to do? Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it varies. Some people will be almost seeing it as an opportunity. So, you know, it, it, and some people may have had an escape plan that they wanted to kind of hatch long before this comes. And, and it might be just, you know, what this is the best thing that could have happened because I wanted to leave anyway and I've got something lined up and, and great. Um, but I see lots of lots of people who are impacted by the process in many ways. And, you know, we we all in, in the HR profession want to do, do our best. We want to, you know, kind of uh, take care of people, particularly in, in when they're vulnerable, as you said before, in, in a redundancy situation. But for various different reasons, some people will come out of that process and feel that they weren't valued, that they didn't have, you know, that they didn't work respected and that it wasn't handled well. And so often I'll be spending some time with them, kind of piecing some of that back together and, and talking about, future as opposed to what went on before um, and some people just want to talk I mean I've had clients for who just want to just listen and they would say to me thank you for listening to me mm. that's really helping me with moving on with all the emotion that's attached to redundancy because you know it it, it is um, extremes of emotion as I say some people can be elated oh great you know I'll get my redundancy money and move on others are, are just absolutely devastated and don't even know what to do next and this is basically reaction to change, isn't it? I was thinking quite often yeah. I just bring on change. And, and of course, you know, people will go through those, those sort of emotions of change. One is where they might be feeling quite resistant and a bit angry and want to sort of spout or they won't want to just talk through their opportunities, but they want to be heard. Um, and yeah. I guess actually those people who are conducting the redundancy, and you've obviously been in HR in a role of that, but whether you're a manager or the HR in it, people don't always know what they might feel bad. So you don't always respond or, or not, may, may not legally be able to behave in a certain way, may not be able to respond with the full level of empathy that people need. So it must be good yes. to have that objectivity. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and, and having been on in those consultation meetings, as you say, that, you know, we've, we've got kind of a script, we've got a process. We don't want to deviate too much from that. And, and I completely get that. Um, and I think a lot of it is the way in which the message is delivered and, that, as you say, it's about it's about the empathy and the connection. And, and in that for that moment in time, when you're in those consultation meetings, that individual needs to know that they are the most important person for the next 20 minutes, whatever it might mm -hmm. be. And that, um, you know, communication doesn't have to just be in that meeting. It can be outside of the meeting. Come to me with questions. I'm here to support you. What can I do to help? That kind of thing. And just making them feel that they are an individual and not just another kind of number on, or a name on a spreadsheet. It's cleaner, um, isn't it? I think because you are, it's that objectivity. It's like sometimes organisations just like having someone n neutral. You're just, it's cleaner if you're able to do that. 
um, in yeah. terms of it. In, in terms of that, of course, our audience are often internal um well yeah often internal people um within HR could be line managers as well is there anything that you would sort of recommend that they could do to make it better for people if they're having to manage people through a redundancy Mm. um I think one of the things is understanding the process understanding the legalities and being comfortable with that absolutely that's that's you know we all need to be able to do that but remembering that there's an individual whose you know livelihood is is going to be impacted you know in the next 30 90 days whatever it might be and and being able to really connect with that person i think is 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 really important um so it's not just about the process it's about the person as well um and also having the opportunity um particularly i mean some some consultation meetings will just be with one person or just be the line manager some will be you know um done with the hrm and somebody from uh, the management team. But having the opportunity to um, sort of decompress as well and to look after yourself, because if I've been in situations where I've been doing these meetings all day long and they can become quite draining mm-hmm. um, because you are wanting to give so much of yourself and to make sure that you know, you're, you're really focused for that individual. So making sure that in order to do your best, you're at your best, if you like. Yeah. Um, and not putting on too much pressure and you know if, if they're scheduling meetings every 20 minutes and there's no breaks or anything like that making sure that you can just maybe the whole thing might take two days instead of one and a half and just being kind to yourself as well I think when you're in yeah. those situations to be the best person you, you can be because you are you are going to pick up that sort of emotion it, it just struck me of course then as well because some people as you say are actually going yeah straight through the change curve great looking brilliant opportunities I've already got a plan of what I might do but there are others who will really want to almost grieve and be really, really, even though it might end up being the best thing in the end, they could be very upset in the moment and very scared. And I'm just thinking at the moment with the, although there is the sort of lots of jobs, lots of companies are trying to employ the right people. There's also lots of costs, aren't there? So people, you know, in high inflation, lots of things that people be fearful about in terms of their yeah. livelihood. So that's quite a, yeah. a tricky one. So people could be, you know, extra and you could see that fear if people are fearful and things like that you have to absorb that so you do need to be able to let go of it almost like a counsellor let alone a coach yeah. where you've got to kind of let go of that emotion yeah and also I think allowing that emotion to come out and being prepared for that emotion and um you know as a coach I'm, I'm comfortable with emotion and I was always comfortable with it sort of as a in a, in a H, when a HR career but some people aren't yes. and I think particularly maybe with with line managers is preparing them that this could be and we don't know what extremes of emotion, as you're saying, in terms of what, how they're going to react. But just letting that person let, let that out and giving them that space and just listening and being quiet and not trying to kind of make it all better <laughs> or interrupt and just giving them their time, really, to, yeah. to, to, yeah. You know, to, to say what they're, how they're feeling. Do you find that um, you're just working with the people who are um, you know, at risk and, and potentially being made redundant? Or do you work with other people? Because it obviously can impact those who remain in the organisation as well, can't it? Yeah, I mean, typically it will be those people who are who are leaving. So the work that I do will be either on an individual basis or group workshops or a blended approach. Um, but we also uh, find ourselves supporting those people who remain in the organization and sometimes those those people can kind of be overlooked um and some of the themes that come out when you're supporting the survivors which is which is a bit of a street extreme term but essentially yeah they are the, the ones who are left is that because they were um impacted by uh, 
the restructure. They weren't included in the communications and therefore didn't really know what was kind of going on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden the person they've sat next to for the last 10 years has, has left. And, you know, there's kind of this communication void, really. Um, and and, I, and I, I see that a lot. And also the sort of the, the guilty feelings of, well, why was it Joe and not me? Yeah. Um, and, and also sometimes, um, you know, there's, there's, there's fear that it could happen again. What about the next time? <laughs> and also I've come across a little bit of imposter syndrome as well sometimes as to, well, they thought that I was better than you know, Joe sitting who sits next to me. And now I've kind of got to prove that. So there's a whole lot that goes on for those survivors, if you like. Um, so, yeah, we do support them as well with sort of, and, and that's more on an ongoing sort of co- coaching basis. Um, that makes sense. I mean, I, that's a really valid point, isn't it, about the whole communication pieces. People just think because also, again, you've been in the HR role. There's, there's only certain, you've got to be on message and not tell people certain things at certain times. It's quite easy, therefore, not to explain maybe the why to those who are, are you know, the survivors, and, and then they're sort of asking questions. And that can actually the stuff that people make up in their heads in the void. You know, it's me mm-hmm. next. There's another tranche. You know, the rumor mill can do. It's actually remembering to communicate. And I suppose that's maybe an internal HR person. So the people you might yeah. work with, you know, if they remember to make sure that at the right time it's communicated as to why those roles went and why that was the right decision. And and you know, if there isn't any plans for others to be affected, make sure they they say that um, and be alert yeah. to that sort of sense, that thinking. Yeah, definitely. And also that that kind of involvement and that um, inclusive approach help can help with those who remain in terms of um, retention and engagement and motivation of, of, of those who are left because the redundancy program inevitably impacts um, motivation. And, and I've been in them myself on the other side of the table where we've been in a restructure. And of course, as you say, with no information, people make things up and productivity mm-hmm. tends to dip because everyone's just chatting about it. Yeah. And, this and you, I can understand all of that. And I've been that person. I've been on the other side of the table doing that. Um, and so when you're thinking about those who remain, one of the benefits, if you've treated those who left with respect and dignity and offered them outplacement support, then they have a more positive view of, of you as an employer, because despite the fact that Joe has left, I know that my employer did the best for him and that, you know, he's going to be looked after and he's got exactly. some support, you know, and then it yeah, impacts so on, well, impact I, do I want to the, stay? Yeah, it impacts employee engagement as well, doesn't it? Because if they, you know, if, if they can see that their person who, who sat next to them has actually had a good experience and is going on somewhere else, then they can be, they can be quite comfortable with it. Ho- yeah. Hopefully not peed yeah. off because they wish it was them, you know, that's... that's well. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> can happen. So, do, yeah. so going on to that, maybe practicalities of because um, I think I'm getting outplacement. Are we really talking about sort of CV support, a bit of career coaching? What 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 is it? If and yeah. and if someone in, in HR was maybe thinking about what are they buying or what could they do that would be akin to outplacement? How would you explain it? Yeah. So I mean, I think it's a, it's a it's a blend, and you you can go from the from the the basics of updating the CV, CV writing, which is essentially the passport to, to any job, even if it requires an application form. The information on your CV is what you need in order to sort of move forward. Um, so we work with some clients that just want CV writing for individuals. And if, if you don't have the budget for outplacement support, then 
you know, in-house, maybe using an in-house recruitment team, for example, or you know, if you've been recruiting recently, you're going to have a view on some good CVs and what good looks like, that kind of thing. Yeah. So giving people hints and tips on yeah. how they can best put themselves across um, to, to prospective employers, the format, that kind of thing. But we do all that for, you know, I work with some, some fantastic CV writers, so we do all of that kind of for them, as it were. And then there's the whole piece around LinkedIn, for example, um, for some roles, that's appropriate for, for entry level jobs. And in some sectors that that doesn't work. And again, we would put something together that was tailored. Um, having the LinkedIn profile, ticking all the boxes, mm-hmm. making sure it's got them, it's on message and then how to use LinkedIn to find work as well. Um, and then depending again, depending on budget and what people are looking for, then there's the one to one coaching. And that can be around career coaching, as you, as you described, um, helping people just to to think about what they want to do next. Um, to explore their skills. We, you, sometimes we use um, psychometric tools as well. Um, and then sort of taking all of that through to, okay, you've got an interview. How can we get you sort of match fit? How can we get you ready? How can we use that time together uh, for that feedback? A coach approach to interview coaching rather than a, you need to do it like this. Um, yes. and, and, and hopefully getting people through to that next role. And depending on, again, what their package looks like, hopefully there's a time as well. I did one of these just last week for some first 100 days coaching. So going into that new role, you know, what are the some of the things you want to leave behind that maybe you don't want to take with you into the next uh, next role? How are you going to take those first 100 days to make that most impactful? What are some of the things you're going to be looking at? So it's kind of an end to end and it varies in terms of what employers are looking for. And sometimes they just want to do that on a group basis. So we kind of do a lot of that on a sort of a, a one day session with people. Oh, you do like a facilitate? Is it almost like a sort of facilitated planning? Yeah. 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 So we can do that um, as a sort of a face to face or as or some Zooms that would be over a period of time. So, yeah. yeah. So, okay. yeah. I can see how that would work. That's kind of uh, it sort of makes your budget go further, I suppose, if, if you want yeah. to people <laughs> still think about it because they can talk to each other about that. You can, yeah, a bit, a bit like yeah. training. So, so the yeah. um, is people going into that? Were you saying the first hundred days coaching? Are you saying that you'd carry on coaching them beyond? Because that would be very generous yeah. to an employer, or, or is it yeah. more visualizing <laughs> the next? Um, you know, of an ex-employer. So, is it about visualizing yeah. what the next hundred days like? Yeah, so it's kind of more more about visualizing it. But but some people find a role quite quickly. Their employer might have said to them, "Okay, we're going to give you you know six uh, coaching sessions you've got a budget of this, or whatever yeah. it is yeah you've got a budget yeah. um and so if they find a role really quickly then we can use the balance of that to support them in their in their new role so um but it's it's otherwise it's just a sort of a, a one session where we just do the planning for them and then they have something to take away and take into the next role okay, cool um, which works well so so i think really what we've, we've covered so far a bit about helping understand what, what the outplacement support might look like and and i can see the sort of um, depends on budget. You've got different levels of what people can offer in terms of, of what it is, whether it's a simple CV writing. And actually, if you've not got any budget at all, have you got recruitment people who could help with that? Because that's really practical. LinkedIn, yeah. I hadn't thought about because, of course, yeah, that is actually very useful at the moment in terms of, of those things. But it's the right thing for the right role. Help, thinking about the um, impact of redundancy on people emotionally, but not just the people who are affected, the people around them, the other people. So make sure the communication isn't forgotten to those who are surviving. You don't want to have the imposter syndrome or survivor's guilt in terms of that. And then when you're working with the individual, almost helping them to process change. So all the different emotions they might go through it right through to almost future pacing themselves into their next role or you know how they can really make sure that that's the one for them and and um, and survive there and, and survive and thrive, I think, there would be the thing. So I can see how that at all kind of wraps around nicely. 
Is there anything else that you think that is worth sharing for our audience or any sort of top tips that you think people should take away? Mm. So I think if, if someone is, is contemplating a, re, a, a restructure and they've never used outplacement before and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're thinking, OK, this, this seems like the right thing to do. And I think I've kind of got my LinkedIn profile, you know, helping HR professionals do the right thing yeah. because you don't have to do it. But it, but it is it is the right it is the right thing to do. I think um, thinking about what kind of um, support that you're looking for and essentially who do you want to manage those lasting impressions of your organization because whoever you engage essentially I am responsible for that lasting impression which is a huge responsibility yeah. so I think it's important when you're when you're sourcing that kind of uh, work to get to get the right fit as well and to get that focus on individuals um, so I think you know if you're thinking about doing it it doesn't have to cost thousands of pounds there you know, there are lots of options out there there are lots of you know you can do stuff that's even um, sort of online for example mm. so have a think about what sort of budget you've got um, who are the people who are impacted how would they learn best so I've worked with some organizations where they've said we just can't do it on zoom because people don't have access to the technology they just wouldn't learn in that way um, so we've, we've gone and sort of done it face to face as it were so I think it's really understanding if you want to offer this service how does it fit with the circumstances and what um you know what, what is it that you really want these individuals to get to get from from this this uh, sort of opportunity and you know I, I guess I would say this because because that's my business but I can't imagine having and I have been made redundant myself and had and had no support I had nothing mm -hmm. I was just like well you work in HR you must know what to do um, you know, just just being out there on your own and having someone who's an accountability partner, someone who's supporting you, someone who's there, um, that sort of runs through everything that we do. So even if you just have someone write, come to us and say, can you write this CV for them? That person will connect with them. That person will be there and that person will be that sort of, um, you know, by their side, as it were, whilst they're providing that service. Um, so yeah there's there's a lot more than just kind of delivering the practical side of things I think yeah because actually the practical stuff is um kind of often can be done do you know what suddenly occurred to me there and I don't know if this is relevant or not we'll cut it off the podcast if it's not um, what about <laughs> people who have um severance you know or sort of come to compromise agreements or that sort of thing would you ever support in that circumstance yeah yeah quite a lot yeah so some employers again will offer it as part of the agreement and other people who've, who've come to me have said, well, I asked for it. In fact, I had somebody just, just um, a couple of months ago, actually, said, I asked for this. So I've got the budget of X and I'd like to come to you to, to sort of use it. So, so, yeah, it doesn't always have to be a traditional kind of redundancy situation. Yeah, really. Because actually those can be more contentious and so they, they can come about for various reasons that legitimate on both sides. But actually, I can almost think it's, it's yeah, that might be a really quite an important position where you could... Well, you could, particularly if it's been a bit contentious, leave that person with a more positive, who's often quite a senior person if they've gone to a thing, with a more positive opinion of the whole setup than you might have done otherwise. So it might be quite a good investment, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that's one of the benefits that's often overlooked of outplacement support is that maybe not at the time, but in time, people will feel more positive about their ex-employer with this support than, yes. than without it. Um, and so, you know, I think as you said at the start, you know, it's a small world. People will talk about employees that they've left, people they've even just been had an interview with, you know, that you can't get away from it. So yeah. in, in, in where we are, um, having that, that support and, and even in a settlement agreement situation, someone's still losing their job yeah. <laughs> still without a job. Um, and 
I'm working with a couple of senior clients at the moment who have never had an interview because they've worked for 30 years and just been headhunted, headhunted yeah. and they've never had an interview. Yeah, and so, so really even senior people. And they, and they probably yeah. don't want to admit that they're feeling vulnerable or anything like that. Yeah. So having someone independent who can help with that, I can see that would be really important. And, you know, yeah. point, it is a small world. It's also a world where people are very feedback driven, you know, so it's all about TripAdvisor, you know, Glassdoor. It's really important yeah. that we, well, your, your, your strap line, do the right thing. Um, yeah. Those are not the reasons to do the right thing. But actually, if you do the right thing, then it will feed through in a positive way. But going back about demonstrating your values and and you know what you really are like as an employer, as opposed to what you pretend to be like. So yeah. Uh, yeah. quite an interesting angle. Jude, I think that was very yeah. interesting. Thank you very much. Um, oh, you're welcome. Uh, that's uh, good, good t- takeaways there. If people want to speak to you more directly or get in touch with you, how could they find you? Oh, yes. Well, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, so I'm June Hogan on LinkedIn. Um, I do have a website as well, uh, which is uh, wildwoodcoaching.co.uk. And uh, my email address is info at wildwoodcoaching.co.uk. Brilliant. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on. We'll obviously, as ever, put all of the details on the website at hruprising.com. So if anyone didn't catch those, then you can access um, uh, June and, and link in with her through there. Um, but certainly I can see some re- really um, major organizational benefits from from this and individual benefits from taking this really seriously thanks for coming on the uprising podcast thanks lucinda i enjoyed it thank you i really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable if you did perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice it really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising podcast.